We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to the Rise in NFL Draft Podcast, a part of CFB Nation channel. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your favorite podcasts. You can also sign up to the YouTube channel at CFB Nation as we continue to grow that channel. We want to thank you all so much for that support continuously throughout. Of course, as always, we are brought to you also by IrishBreakdown.com. So as I am talking to you all today on a Thursday, we are just a few days until the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine officially kicks off. Your boy is going to be down there in Indianapolis to be able to take in all the events. And we've spoken a lot over the last couple of weeks about the importance of this week. It's a multi-layer job interview is the best way to put it. It isn't just about what a player tests like down in Indianapolis. Talk about the 40 time. You talk about the vertical jump. You talk about the broad jump, the three cone, 20 yard shuttle, bench press. All that stuff is important. Some more important than others. But there's other layers to what that week looks like. Availability to talk to scouts, talk to general managers that are there. The ability to showcase your intelligence on the whiteboard, as well as be able to tell your story in those types of meetings. Not to mention, for a lot of players, the make it or break it part of that week is actually the medical checks that usually start earlier in the week before the before all the events begin on field perspective. And it's a great spectacle. I mean, more than anything. I think that people hyper-focus a little bit too much on these on these results sometimes. For me, this is a verification process. That's what the combine is. I've watched the film. I have my notions on players. I have what I believe on a player. If I think a player runs a 4-3 on film, he's a speed demon, merchant, as a pass receiver, and then he goes to the combine, he runs 4-3, well, that's a little check on the box, right? I don't count it twice. It's just a verification. I What I saw on film is what that player is on the field. Then there's going to be some chance, t- there's going to be some examples of players that do not 
fit what you perceive them as uh, on film. I think a guy runs a 4-3 on film, and then he goes to the combine and runs a 4-6. Well, two things happen there. One, something out of the ordinary, whether it is a some funky thing that messed up messed the player up scheduling-wise, whether it is something happening personal life off the field, whether it is an injury. There's all things that can affect those types of performances. The other is that maybe you need to go back and watch the film. And again, back to the verification process, right? You're verifying what your eyes see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's what the Combine Week is. And I'm excited to be there firsthand. I've been there once before. This will be my second time in Indianapolis for the Combine. I'm excited to cover it for Irish Breakdown, of course, and to continue to give you all what I think is good content. I hope you all agree that it's good content. But for this podcast today, of course, we're going to hit a mailbag at the end. But this is a this is an NFL scouting Combine-centric podcast. So let's talk some predictions. I'm going to talk a few guys that I think could leave Indianapolis as big winners, guys that could check boxes, guys that could really impress with their athleticism. More than anything, we're talking about an on-field perspective. We're not talking about a few weeks ago. I talked about guys that could really answer some questions in the meeting room, in the medical room. I'm talking on the field today, on the field, showcasing their athletic profiles. Also, want to talk? I have a couple candidates because the one thing that no matter how big of a football fan you are. Everybody tunes in every single year to see if someone's going to break the 40-yard dash record. Okay, so I have three players to keep an eye on. Not necessarily predicting that either one of them is going to do that. It's an impressive feat. <laughs> it's now 4-2-2 is the, the fastest 40-yard dash time in combine history. But, you know, records are made to be broken, right? So we'll get to that. We'll get to the mailbag. Let's get into some of the guys that I predict are going to have big weeks in Indianapolis from a testing perspective and could vault themselves up in the draft based upon their athletic upside. I want to start offensively. I only picked one offensive player because, you know, I can't get to everyone, right? I mean, there was literally about 20 guys I could have picked in this list, but I really wanted to settle on four to five guys that I think could be the biggest winners of the week offensively. I want to give some love to the offensive line, man. That's where I wanted to start here. Offensive tackle, Jalen Duncan from the University of Maryland. 
was a senior bowler, was down there in Mobile, Alabama. I thought he had a pretty good week. When he, when he was playing right tackle, he definitely was not nearly as comfortable. This kid is a true left tackle blindside protector on the next level. And when he was at left tackle in those one-on-one pass rush reps down in Mobile, Alabama, I thought he looked fantastic. thought he looked very patient, really good foot quickness, has the, the length that you need at the position. Everything is there for Jalen Duncan. What I'm excited to see about Duncan, though, is that why is he so patient in pass protection? Why does everything look so effortless to, for him? Because he's a really good athlete, man. And I think he has a chance to really light things up. Came into the senior bowl at six foot five and four eighths, so six foot five and a half, was 298 pounds, a little light, 33 and a half inch arms, 80 and five eighth inch wingspan. So he has good length for the position. Hits the threshold you need to hit all, uh, the offensive tackle from an arm length perspective nowadays. First and foremost, we'd like to see him over 300 pounds. That would be a good first step. But this young man, we're seeing more and more offensive tackles run just silly 40-yard dash times, like sub-five seconds at that, at those types of sizes. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you think of Taron Armstead running 471. You think about Lane Johnson running 472. Some of these guys are not made on this planet. I mean, to, to, to be as frank as I can. That is the most impressive part about the evolution of the NFL athletes today is that it's always going to be a big man's game because as everyone keeps getting bigger and faster, everyone gawks over the wide receivers running four twos, four threes. And it's exciting. We'll get into a couple of those guys later in the podcast. But I am more just amazed to watch some of these offensive linemen now, man. Some of these guys that look like they're made out of granite for over 300 pounds, barely any bad weight on them, but could still run sub five seconds in the four yard dash for some context. I consider myself a decent athlete in high school coming out of high school. I was 210, 215 pounds. I ran in the four eights, four nine range. There are literally linemen in the NFL that run faster, ran faster than I did electronically at over a hundred pounds more. It's wild, absolutely wild to think about just how impressive these guys are nowadays. And I think Jalen Duncan's going to be one of those at six foot five and a half, 300 plus pounds, potentially at the combine. I think he's going to rub sub five flat in 40. I think all the jumps are going to be nice. I could see him vertically over 30 inches. I could see him broad jumping well over nine feet, maybe nine and a half, nine, six could be a possibility. The bench press is something that I think is overplayed a little bit, even for offensive linemen. Because the longer your arms, usually the worse bencher you are. But regardless, put up a solid number there, Jalen. Go out in the field and showcase why you are one of the cleanest blindside protecting pro, uh, projections in the 2023 NFL draft. I think he has that possibility in Indianapolis. I think he has a chance to solidify the fact that he is a future starting left tackle in the NFL. That's what Jalen Duncan has to prove. My second player on the defensive side of football, I really settled on a lot of defensive players this week because I think that it's a it's an interesting defensive class this year because I think there's a lot of bunching together at certain positions. You know, outside of Will Anderson at the top of the edge group, outside of Jalen Carter on the top of the, the defensive tackle board, and outside of maybe Brian Branch at, at Alabama on the safety board, I think there's a lot of jockeying for positioning right now. So I'm going to talk about cornerbacks here in a second. 
I'm going to talk about a defensive lineman here as well. And then linebacker, I think, is another one. There's a little bit of jockeying that still needs to happen, a little tiebreakers maybe that need to happen from an athleticism perspective. Defensive ends, Will McDonald, Edge, out of Iowa State. He's a cyclone. Really had a nice end to his career over the last couple of years, man. One of the more impressive outside track rushers in the draft. When I call when I talk about outside track rushers, there's mainly two types of rushers that you're going to talk about a ton. There's the guys who are outside track kids that dynamite first step, flexibility and bend to work the outside shoulder and to be able to win outside and bend bend that arc. That's an outside track. Power rushers. Bigger guys, speed the power converters, players that are going to threaten the outside track, but then stick their foot in the ground and go barreling down your chest and use a chest and use some power profile to win. He is the true outside track guy, is Will McDonald's. Went to the senior bowl, thought he was unblockable throughout most of the week. The big question for, for Will was that he had played this past year more in the 226, 227 pound range. So the question, obviously, is as an edge player, it's very light, very light. Showed up to the combine at 241 pounds. Sorry, showed up to the senior bowl at 241 pounds. 35-inch arms, well over an 80-inch wingspan. The kid is a long, explosive pass rusher. And, by the way, he was a dynamite track and field athlete in high school. I believe he had a 6'10 high jump was his best mark. So this is a springy, explosive athlete. I expect him to blow the roof off of Lucas Oil Stadium. That's what I'm expecting. I think that there could be an argument that leaving the week, that not only is Will McDonald's – well, one, I think that Will McDonald can solidify himself as a first-round pick. I think he could do that. And I think that you can make the argument that after the week, he may have the most impressive all-around athletic testing because he's going to be 240-something pounds. He's going to vertical – over 40 inches. He's probably going to broad jump somewhere around 11 feet. And usually when you have guys that are that explosive at jumpers, that usually translates to a 40 time as well. It usually does. If a guy jumps high, is explosive in the broad jump, usually there's a lot of lower body explosiveness there. So if he is the jumper that I think he's going to be and what his background would suggest, I also could see Will McDonald running a stupid four-year dash, maybe somewhere in the four fives. So at a hair under six foot four, 240 plus pounds, 35 inch arms with the production he has, if he can get a 40 plus inch vert, 11 foot broad, somewhere in that ballpark and run into four fives, it's a first round player. It's a first round player strictly off of traits. He wouldn't even have to have great production for a team to take a shot on him because historically he would be such a high caliber athlete that it tells you that that has to translate. And luckily for Will McDonald, he had a lot of production in Iowa State. He was a tremendous player despite him being played out of position a ton. If you go watch Iowa State, they play really, really good team defense. There's no doubt. But Will McDonald at 226 pounds was a guy that they were asking to play 4-4-I, four, four head up on an offensive tackle at that size. And that's not him. That's not him. That's not his game. And it shouldn't be his game. That's not the, t- the, the type of football player he is. That's not how he wins as a football player either. So that is my pick, 
It's a little bit of an of a wild card, I think, because I don't think most people are going to talk about Will McDonald as the potential biggest riser in the class, but he's my pick for this. I really do think he's going to have a tremendous week. And you're going to look at the production. You're going to look at the, the traits that he has athletically. It's a first-round pick. That's what I believe. Linebacker class is an interesting one. A lot of names are going to be thrown out there. And I think the class is a little unsettled up top. It's not unsettled personally for me. I have a clear number one. But there are some people that love Drew Sanders. And I get it. Drew Sanders is a good football player. I came around on his film. I wasn't in immediately. I'm not still not fully in. I think he's a really solid early day two football player. Like I think he's going to be a second round pick. And he's got scheme versatility. I like Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. But the player that I think is absolutely going to blow things up and is going to showcase why he was so beloved in the preseason after having a up-and-down junior campaign in 2022, I think Trenton Simpson out of, out of Clemson is going to be the guy that really steals the show in Indianapolis. A player at listed six foot three, 240 pounds. There's rumors that he's run high four threes, low four fours. I know most people are going to look at that and be like, there's no way. There's no way a guy that big runs that. Well, I mean, look at the trends that we've had at linebacker though the last few years. Look at that. You had, I believe it was Devin Bush ran a 4-4-3. Devin White ran a 4-4-2. Micah Parsons didn't have a, a combine that year, but at his pro day, he ran 4-3-9. Linebackers are getting more and more athletic by the year. So I would more predict a Trenton Simpson to be in the 4-4-2 to 4-4-6 range, more than him to be a 4-3 guy. But regardless, man, he is going to run fast. He's going to jump high. He's going to check all those athletic boxes, man. All the talent is there. First two years at Clemson, he was playing that overhang position. The, the displaced Sam is how I like to refer to those players. The Kind of the role that Isaiah Simmons had played at Clemson. So he's playing overhang. He's playing out in space a ton. Junior year, they moved in the inside linebacker. And I thought it was good film, but I do think it was up and down. I think he's still learning that position, the eye discipline, and the speed. Things come at you a lot quicker working inside compared to working in space. Things happen a lot faster. And I think that reading React needs to take a step up. But I think the one thing that you look at and you talk about Trenton Simpson is, man, it's easy to bet on the athlete that he is. It's really easy to bet on the athlete he is. And I'm betting on the athlete he is. I am. Thought he had really good film in 2021. 2022 was good film, but inconsistent. But he's a caliber of an athlete that is all the rage in the NFL right now. You're getting faster and faster on the second level. It matters. And I think Trenton Simpson has an opportunity to show this kid is a ready-made starting will at the next level. Could have the body type to maybe be a Mike eventually. Could even play some Sam in a pinch to work out in space and base base opportunities. Trenton Simpson's a star, and I expect him to run fast, expect him to jump high. I think he's going to put on a show. The last big winner that I want to talk about, I want to talk about it from a group perspective here. I'm not saying the whole group's going to be a winner. That would be lazy. But there is a massive jumbling of big corners in this class. If you listen to my show either last week or the week before, I talked about there's not much separation in the big corners in the 2023 class, the cornerback group. Guys that I personally would put into that group. Tall, explosive, long arms, those types of kids. But 
very raw. I would put Christian Gonzalez into that classification from Oregon, former Colorado transfer. I would put Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State into that classification. I would put Keely Ringo from Georgia into that classification. I would put Deontay Banks from Maryland into that classification. And I would also put Jalen Jones into that grouping as well. I think the combine is going to serve as an opportunity to separate this group a little bit. Because right now, there's a lot of similar grades in that group. A lot of guys that are kind of right now winning more off of being a great athlete than being technically sound and consistent. So the combine is going to serve as a separator. I have two guys rated similarly. Who's the better athlete? Who tested better? Who has more upside? Those are going to be the tiebreakers. And the combine is going to be a little bit of foreshadowing of that, in my opinion. So who do I think is going to test the best? It's a great question. Keely Ringo, Georgia. Jalen Jones, Texas A&M are my two picks. I think Christian Gonzalez is also going to test well. I think he's a very good athlete, especially short area explosive. Joey Porter Jr. I don't think is going to test exceptional. I think he's going to be solid. Deontay Banks, I also think, is going to be a solid tester. But the two guys, when I look at and say who are going to be the most explosive and the best testers of that group, Keely Ringo's number one for me. He's going to weigh in at the combine probably 6'2", and around 215 pounds, give or take two pounds either side. And he, if you've seen pictures of him, he's training hard. (laughs) I think he's ready for this. He's been rumored to run in the four threes at his size. And if he goes to Indianapolis and runs at six foot two, 213 pounds, runs four, three something, and has the the explosive testing to match that 40 time, people are going to start rethinking their evaluation of him. Because most people know he's a great athlete. Was the film up and down in 2022? Yes, it was. But if I'm talking about betting on someone, if I'm talking about betting on one of this trade seat cornerback group, Keely Ringo's the best, most elite athlete of that group, in my opinion. The guy that has the most athletic upside. I would still gamble on him personally. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in Indianapolis. The guy that I think doesn't get enough talk but is an exceptionally talented football player of that group who I just mentioned is Jalen Jones from Texas A&M. A guy that missed part of the beginning of his of his junior campaign this year. Another guy that's listed about 6'2", 205 pounds, former five-star recruit, so he's not a secret. I thought he had really good film this year, man. Wasn't a ton because, again, he missed a couple games with injury. But when Jalen Jones was on the field – I thought he looked like one of the best corners in college football this year. Fantastic film, in my opinion. Falling under the radar because the ball production this year wasn't great because he missed some time and not many people threw at him. And some other guys rose to the occasion a little bit more this year as far as from a national perspective. Like Christian Gonzalez was a guy people talked about all year. Devin Witherspoon from Illinois is a guy that people talked about all year. Clark Phillips is a guy that people talked about all year. And they deserved all of that credit. But that does allow for some guys to go under the radar a little bit. That's Jalen Jones for me. I expect him to be an incredibly explosive kid. And I expect him to run the high four fours. Don't think he's a blazer from a straight line perspective. But I think it's good, good to very good speed for his size. And I think explosiveness, I mean, the the ability to change direction this kid has at 6'2", 205 pounds, special. And I don't like losing the word special too often. 
but it's special. Not many kids can change direction like him. And that's, uh, again, not saying not many kids his size can change direction like him. I'm saying not many guys in general at the cornerback position can change direction like him. And that counts guys that are 5'11", 190 compared to 6'2", 205. He's a special mover, special athlete. And as he continues to get more and more comfortable and continues to develop, I think a team could hit a home run and get a little bit of a bargain on Jalen Jones because he might only be a second or third rounder right now. Might be what he goes because there's just a lack of volume of film. And there was some up and down. Oh, there was a lot of up and downs in 2021. I think he was good, but not great in 2021. 2022, I think, was very good. I think he could be a riser this week. I think he's going to have a big combine week. So those are a few guys that I think could rise tremendously. Again, Jalen Duncan, offensive tackle from University of Maryland. Will McDonald, the fourth defensive end edge from Iowa State. One of the big corners between Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., Keely Ringo, Deontay Banks, and Jalen Jones. I pick Keely Ringo from Georgia and Jalen Jones from Texas A&M as the big risers of that group. And Trenton Trenton Thompson was a defensive tackle that came out of Georgia a few years. Trenton Simpson out of Clemson as the other big riser of the group. Let's talk combine 40-yard dash record. Let's talk that. So the record, of course, is John John Ross came out of Washington a few years ago, first round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. So I believe he's out of the NFL already. <laughs> if he's not, he's hanging around somewhere. But he ran four two two four point two two seconds in the forty yard dash, which bested the previous record that was held by Chris Johnson for the Tennessee Titans. Came out of East Carolina who was a Pro Bowl, Old Pro running back for several years there and ran over for over 2,000 yards one year for the Tennessee Titans. His time was 4-2-4, and that stood for a few years until John Ross came and broke it with 4-2-2. We are starting to get now into groundbreaking territory, folks. We've heard the mythical stories of people running in the 4-1s at Pro Days, but we've never seen it at a combine. Never seen it at a combine. Whoever breaks the 40 time next is getting very close to achieving that. I mean, we're talking about 421, 42 flat, or better. That's what's going to break this record. Now, I picked three players. And by the way, just to emphasize how great this feat is to run sub 43 just for a second, since 2013, only 11 players have done it. So it doesn't happen often. Maybe once a year, someone runs in the four twos at the combine. Maybe once a year. So it is a feat to be to be celebrated. So is there a chance to break the record this year? I picked three players that I think have an opportunity to at least get into the four twos. And then from there, man, it's only about getting a great start one time. Get a great start one time, then you have a chance. You have a shot. So three football players. Devin A. Chain, running back, Texas A&M, runs track, for the Texas A&M track and field team, sprinter, ran 10-1 in the 100 meters, I think two years ago at Texas A&M, or last year at Texas A&M, which is, that's flying, man. It's flying. For some context, if you're running sub-10, you're probably training for the Olympics. That's where you are. At least an incredibly high-caliber, 
college runner who is who is at least trying out for the Olympics, right? So that is a, a Olympic level time. So Devin A. Chain is a elite straight line speed guy, elite. And the players that usually have a shot at this stuff to run incredible times, these incredible incredible times we're talking about, are usually have a track and field background because the start is always so important. What's that 10-yard split? How easy do you get out of the gate, out of the blocks, however you want to prefer to it? Devin A-Chain has that background. I think he's a clear favorite. If he comes in at his playing weight, which is around 185 pounds, I do think that the one thing that could hold him back is that he might feel the necessity to come in a little bit heavier because he's a running back. So if he's over 190 pounds, close to 200 pounds, maybe won't have a chance because it's probably going to slow him down a little bit because he wanted to kind of check the, the threshold from a size perspective. But if he comes in at 185 or right around there, he's got a chance to run sub 4-3. Got a chance. That track background, ability to get out of the gate, ability to get out of the block, and the straight line speed that kid has, he has a chance. That would probably be the number one guy. If he's 185, that would be my number one guy to bet on to be the fastest player in Indianapolis. That would probably be my guy. Second, a player that was kind of a burst onto the scene, riser, you know, all those types of things. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver at the University of Tennessee. Going into the year, everybody thought it was going to be Cedric Tillman, and for good reason. Cedric Tillman's a good football player. Going to be a rock-solid day-two pick with as a 6'3", 215-pound outside receiver that's got 4-4 speed. Jalen Hyatt quickly went from second fiddle projected to the guy for Tennessee. Over 1,200 yards receiving this year was Hendon Hooker's number one, number one threat. And he was his number one threat because that kid has silly, silly straight line speed. When he's even, he's leaving, quite simply. Dynamite ability to get open down the field. Dynamite ability as a tracker of the football. This kid has elite level speed at the position. And the thing he also has going for him is despite Devin A-Chain, who might feel the obligation to come in and weigh 190-something-odd pounds, Jalen Hyatt doesn't have those same thresholds that he has to work with. As long as he's 180 pounds, people are going to look at him and be like, yeah, that's cool, man. You got it. We believe in you. You hit a threshold. And he has a chance, in my estimation, to run something truly special here. Sub 4-3? I think so. Could he get close to the 40 record? It's possible, man. Weighed at six foot, 185 pounds. Also has a track background. He has a projected on our database at risedraft.com, a 4-3-4. Give me the under on the 4-3-4. I think he breaks that 4-3 flat. Could he get close to the record? Probably more in the 4-2-5, 4-2-8 range, somewhere in that ballpark. But regardless, my guy's going to run fast. And don't be surprised because we see this every almost every year with wide receivers rising in the in the NFL draft. The fastest player tends to really rise at that board. We're only a few years removed from Henry Ruggs the third being the first wide receiver on the, off the board over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Very short amount of time ago. 
So don't be surprised if when it's said and done, Jalen Hyatt's the top receiver off the board. I wouldn't be shocked even slightly if that happens. So he's my second guy that I think could challenge as the fastest man in Indianapolis and could give a run at John Ross for that 40-yard dash record. Number three, a little bit of a sneaky one, man. A little bit of a sneaky one. A guy that no one was really talking about too much coming into the year. Got Trey Palmer, who is out of Nebraska. Six foot, 193 pounds, 31 and 7 eighth inch arms, and a 77 inch wingspan. So pretty good numbers across the board. He was originally at LSU. Buried a little bit on the depth chart. Went over to Nebraska. Had a dynamic season for them. Over 1,000 yards. Was at the Senior Bowl. Had a pretty good week overall. This kid it has a former track and field background, similar to Devin A. Chain. Did not run in college. Or actually, I think he did run in college briefly, but it wasn't as substantial as what Devin A. Chain did. But high school numbers, when you look at his high school numbers, I mean, he was a 10, 300-meter kid in high school. Kid can fly. 190 pounds, right around. I think he has a chance to run sub 4-3. And I think he has a chance for the record. He wouldn't be my top guy that I would pick. It would probably be A-Chain. Most likely. Hyatt would probably be a close second. Trey Palmer would probably be the distant third in this conversation. But worth mentioning, because that speed that he has is substantial. It's easy to see on the football field. Easy ability to separate down the field. So Trey Palmer, Devin A-Chain, Jalen Hyatt. Three guys to keep an eye out when they're running 40s in Indianapolis. They could put a little run at 40-yard dash record when all is said and done. So that's kind of the conclusion for some winner potential winners this week. Predicting 2023 NFL scouting combine winners, as well as talking a little bit about some of the 40-yard dash times to keep a close eye on. I want to hit the mailbag, though. And we had a lot of great mailbag questions this week. If you're not signed up at boards.irishbreakdown.com, one, I don't know what you're doing. Two, you could have submitted some mailbag questions for this week. So go to boards.irishbreakdown.com, sign up, premium message board. A lot of great stuff. If you're a Notre Dame fan that's viewing this channel, you can get some latest team intel, recruiting intel. But also, we'll talk ball in there, man. Talking NFL draft. I'll be talking draft for the next few months. Right up until the end of April when the 2023 NFL draft officially kicks off. But submit questions there if you would like. First question is from my man, John A1, who is a very valued member, not only of the message board, but also of the Irish Breakdown chat. A lot of great questions always given by John. So which team in the draft should be looking to move spots? It can be either move up or move down. John, great question, man. I think the the main two that pop up to me, and it's it's one of one of both sides of the coin. Move back, I think, is the obvious one, right? Chicago Bears, you got to move back. I know there's a conversation over, you know, is Justin Fields your guy? What should you do? Should you take Bryce Young and you know just trade away Justin Fields? Should you stay pat at one, take the best defensive player? Should you trade back? I think you trade back. Because right now, the thing about the Chicago Bears is it's not a great roster. It's not. It's just not a, it's not a very impressive roster at all. There's holes everywhere. But I think that you have an opportunity in this type of draft that if you trade back with 
you know, depending on who you trade back with, you can still find some really nice defensive players there in the top 10, depending on where you trade back at, and then pick up as much additional capital and start to rebuild this roster and build around Justin Fields. If Justin Fields isn't your guy over the next two years, then you go to the drawing board, man. But at least for whoever the next quarterback is, that roster is going to be in a better place for that transition, right? So that's where I'm looking at Chicago Bears' easy one. The trade-up scenario, I think it's the Carolina Panthers who are sitting at number nine, I believe, in the in the draft. They're in no man's land for a quarterback. No man's land. They could stand there, hope a C.J. Stroud falls to them potentially, or help, hope that Anthony Richardson could be that guy, which I think there's some merit to depending on what the situation he lands into is. But I think if there's a quarterback that you love, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you have to make a trade-up happen. You don't want to settle for your third-best quarterback on your board. You don't want to settle for the fourth-best quarterback on your board. If there's a guy that you truly love, trade up. Because the Carolina Panthers, although they haven't been incredibly successful the last couple of years from a win-loss perspective, there is talent on that roster, man. They showed last year their offensive line is improving. The running game is, is was pretty good without Christian McCaffrey. Deontay Foreman really had a nice resurgence. But they still have some weapons in the passing game, man. They do. DJ Moore, I think, is a good football player. I think Terrace Marshall is continuing to develop. Defensively, you have guys like Brian Burns. You have guys like Derek Brown. You have Jeremy Chin. You have J.C. Horn. There's guys to build around on that roster. There is. A quarterback would turn them from an average team-ish somewhere in the middle of the pack, to maybe contending in their division, at least, right? I'm not saying definite playoffs. I'm not saying Super Bowl. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying you're heading in the right direction. I think a quarterback would change your fortunes pretty quickly. So trade up if there's a guy you like. That's kind of where I'm at. I like what the Carolina Panthers have. I like what they can build with, with, with Mark Rick. Mark Rick. Frank Reich. Sorry, I'm in the college space too much. My bad, my bad. With Frank Reich as a new head coach, because Frank Reich has put together a really good staff for them, man. There's a lot of cool names on that on that, on that that uh, coaching staff for the Carolina Panthers right now. So, quick turnaround could happen. It'd be interesting to see. But great question, John. Vanilla Chill said, how would you rank this year's centers, top three or top five? And if you have one, what is your overall assessment of the Michigan center, Olusigan Oluwatimi? Just gonna call him Olu because I think I just butchered his first name terribly, but Olu Atimi is how you pronounce the last name. So at least I got the last name right. Center class. I actually like the top of the center class a decent amount. I'll say this about the center class, though. It falls off a cliff pretty quickly, man. <laughs> like you're gonna get four to five good players, I think, in this class, at least with developmental potential to start eventually. And then it's gonna fall off a cliff. That's kind of where you are. My personal favorite center in this class is Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. Big fan of him. John Michael Schmitz is number two from Minnesota. Jared Patterson, number three from Notre Dame, is a guy that I like a ton. Olu Olawatimi would be number four. And then number five, because I'm still verifying a couple guys, there's still a few centers that I haven't gotten to, to be honest. I would probably have – actually, I'm sorry. I skipped over one guy that needs to be on that list. Reset. Reset. Ricky Stromberg. John Michael Schmidt. Joe Titman, Wisconsin. Jared Patterson, 
And then Luke Whipler would probably be number five. But again, there's a couple centers. I watched Olu Oluwatimi at the Senior Bowl, but I haven't gotten in fully into his senior film yet. So don't have a great opinion on him. I can tell you what I thought of him at the Senior Bowl. I think that he is just a little bit stumpy, lacks a little bit of lateral mobility, pretty decent power profile, and he's got actually deceptively long arms to the position. So when he gets inside you, I think he can gain a little bit of extension as a pass blocker. So there's some tools to work with, but finally, eval, let me just get a little more time on him. But that top five of the center I think is pretty good, but after that it's just like, man, you're, you're kind of grasping for straws at that point. Just not a lot of depth in this year's center class. We had a follow-up from I.M. Tenzin who said, may I add for a specific team, do you think the Colts should move up to get a quarterback or do you think they would be fine waiting? I think they would be fine, Tenzin. I think that you sit there at four and you see what happens. Because I believe, and again, at the Combine, I'll get a little bit more of some, you know, some intel. People talk a lot down in there in Indianapolis. But I think that C.J. Stroud has a, has a chance to drop a couple spots. I think there's a legitimate chance that the Colts sit there at four and they could be staring C.J. Stroud in the face. And if they do, I think it's perfect for that man. That's the player they want, the player they need, player they want, need and want going forward. That's who C.J. Stroud is to me. So I think the Colts should just stay pat, see what happens. We had a question from N Baker 13. Not surprised. I know he's a New England guy. Top tackle candidate for the Patriots in the draft. Odds 75% or greater. Bill trades back in the first uh, first round. I think historically Bill trades back a bunch. So I, I, I don't know about the odds of it, uh, Nick, but I would say offensive tackle candidates that are interesting to me. I think at the end of the first round, I think offensive tackles in the first round – that are extremely interesting for the Patriots. There's one guy in particular that I really do like. Sorry, my phone's getting blown up as I'm trying to record. My apologies. Jalen Duncan, offensive tackle from Maryland, who I talked about earlier. He's a guy that I think has massive upside at offensive tackle. I really do think that he has the goods to be a dynamic football player at the next level. Give me a guy like him, late first round, with developmental upside. Couple other guys that could be in that range that maybe could rise, depending. Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse has got to keep an eye out on. I'm more in the second round range with Matthew Bergeron. And if a guy like a, I just had a couple other names. Yeah, Broderick Jones, I think for Georgia, is another guy that could fall a little bit. And if he does, I think that would be a good spot for him as well. Last question I'm going to get to here to wrap it up from DCL, um, DCLTJ. Said, what are your thoughts on Darnell Washington tight end from Georgia? I think he will be a solid to good pro because of his blocking, but I don't think he will have the impact in the passing game a lot are saying because his elite size won't be as much of a mismatch in the pros. If he doesn't learn the nuances in route running to create separation, people claim Bowers took the target share, which led to low numbers. I say if he was a bigger receiver, he would have better numbers in tandem with Bowers. It's a great question. I mean, so here, here's where I am with, with the whole Darnell Washington thing. Darnell Washington's a good football player. 6'7", 270 pound plus. He is one of the better blocking tight ends to come out in a few years. So he has a tremendous baseline of traits. Also has superb length for the position as well. Big body, great length, good blocker. That gives you great baseline, man. 
he's going to be an NFL player and he's going to be a successful NFL player. There's no doubt. What's the upside as a pass receiver, though? It's a great question. I have compared him, and I've seen a couple different comparisons thrown out there. The guy that I settled on was Bubba Franks, who was a good player, man. Starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers. Had a few, a couple years where he caught a lot of touchdowns. I've also seen some people say Mercedes Lewis. I can get down with that one. You even seen Jermaine Gresham thrown out there. I don't think he's as good as athlete as Jermaine Gresham, though. Jermaine Gresham was a good athlete coming out of Oklahoma. Darnell Washington, as a pass receiver, needs to be a part of a tandem in the tight end room. I don't think he has enough upside as a volume receiver, as a pass catcher, to be a guy that you look at and say, that could be number one tight end. There's no doubt about it. Your main pass catcher in, in, the, in the passing game. Don't believe that. I think in a two tight end system, maybe similar to what Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez had back in New England, like if he was a part of a duo like that where there was sub- supplementing of his restrictions in the passing game, I think that's the best upside for Darnell Washington. I would not draft him in the first round. I would start thinking about it in the second round, but third round is really the sweet spot, man, because I don't think he's a high volume getter in the passing game. I don't think he's ever going to be that because people overrate the fact that, yes, he's massive. He's got incredible catch ratings. I don't think he's a great athlete. I think he's a solid straight line athlete. Don't think he's great though. So I do think there are some limitations. I do think some people overvalue him a little bit. Really good football player though for his role will be a asset to a team. There's no doubt. Just a little bit of an over exaggeration in my opinion. Folks, that's going to do it for the rise and NFL draft podcast. Make sure you stay tuned to this show. Cause I'll be doing probably some live shows next week as I'll be down in Indianapolis for the 2023 NFL scouting combine. Make sure to hit that like button. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit that notification bell. Go to CFB Nation on any of your favorite podcast platforms and give a five-star review, said Ryan sent you. That would be very much appreciated. Make sure you sign up at boards at irishbreakdown.com as well. So from Rising NFL Drive Podcast, from CFB Nation, from irishbreakdown.com, want to thank you all so much for joining the podcast today. I will see you all sometime next week. Thank you all, and I appreciate you. Thank you for joining the Rising NFL Drive Podcast.